Good morning and welcome to the SEC Daily. I'm your host, Chris Lee, joined by Gavin Schoenwald. All kinds of furious scrambling behind the scenes to make this thing go off today. Uh, we had a, had a starving man on the other end of the camera, had to had to get him some protein. We had right. rearranged helmets three or four times, camera checks. Man, the stuff we go through to bring you guys content. You just yeah. you have no idea. You guys don't even know that Chris was getting a full lift in right before the show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> on, on camera. So we're we're here through all the turmoil, but baby, this is my favorite part of the day. So let's get right into it. That's right. We 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 got in some some workouts just before the show to be ready. So That's it. all right. Today's show. Uh, Gavin's astonishingly accurate bold predictions. Um, they've been astonishing accurate so far. So we're going to get into those. They are they are bold predictions. Thank uh, you. They are bold for a reason. They're not necessarily supposed to be accurate. Although again, the the accuracy level of these has has been uncanny so far. So we'll see if Gavin's on to something. <laughs> as I will poke holes in all his logic as I usually do, and then he'll get the last laugh. That's how these things usually go. But uh, yeah. looking forward to it. Our show presented by Bet Online, the last of the major pro sports leagues, is off and rolling. College basketball is here as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL, all are in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips both desktop and mobile access anytime. Head to BetOnline today. Use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Gavin, we got mm-hmm. a bunch of SEC games this week, and I think we got uh, SEC on SEC-only action. Uh, don't, don't get those a ton, but we get them several weekends, more frequently after September. So we we've got those weekend this weekend. Looking forward to that. Georgia and Ole Miss will be your, your biggest game. We'll probably get into a little bit more on that. We went over playoff stuff the last couple of days. If you missed those episodes, you can find those. But uh, yeah, let's let's get into the action this weekend. We're going to do a bold prediction for each game, and let me pull yours up. Yep, but uh, what's your of of your best bold projections so far? What is the one that you're the most proud of hitting? Probably that one. Uh, the, I believe the first week we did this was week nine, Chris. Um, which I wish we did earlier. Look, I, have I been perfect? No, but I I've definitely surprised myself with a couple of them. The one I'm pr- probably most proud of was when uh, Kentucky's passing game all of a sudden turned into Chip Kelly and the Oregon Ducks and with Leary throwing right. for 370 after it being inconsistent. And I said, they're going to come out. And you couldn't believe that. You couldn't believe – you were like, yeah. it hasn't happened all year. And sure enough, my man goes out and throws for 370. Um, who, who were they playing that week, Chris? Who Was that? Tennessee. Yeah, that's right. Playing Tennessee. And he throws for yeah. 370 and he's lost. They still lost. And so, you know, I, uh, I've i hit on some. I, have I been perfect? Absolutely not. But uh, – just trying to pull from as much wisdom as, as I can from you know my days as a player in this conference of some things that may happen. Like I said, they're they're bold predictions, so they're not probable, but they are very, very possible. And we've definitely seen some crazier things than what I'm about to rattle off here. So I'm excited to excited to share those today. All right, let, let's see what we can speak into existence today. Now, these are an order that you gave them to me. Yep. I don't know if there's any significance there. If you feel like the, the bolder ones are, are first. No, just random, just random. 
Okay. Would you, would you like me to do these in order of kickoff and just let yeah, you go? That, that's great. Okay. That's great. Whatever one you want. All right. Let's do this. Let's start here. Vanderbilt and South Carolina kickoff in Columbia, 11 Central on the SEC Network. Gamecocks about 14-point favorites. That's a couple days old. I don't know what it is now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, boy, you you may we may start with the boldest of predictions here, Gavin, yeah. for, for this one. Maybe a little of your heart in it for full disclosure. It is. Um, but but to be clear, um, this is a scenario that played out this time last year in, in kind of a different way that nobody yeah. would have predicted, and it came true. So now that I have, have, have teased your bold prediction for Vanderbilt, South Carolina, what is your bold prediction? Man, you just – you just Kobe, me, and Ali Oop, and I'm Shaq about to dunk this thing, Chris. Let, <laughs> this is going to be an old school football game. I'm telling you all right now. You had a home game last week at South Carolina against Jacksonville State. You won, but really almost lost it. Not a great performance. Now you got Vandy coming into town. I'd be at, a, at 11 a.m. kick. I'd be surprised if this was even a great crowd, to be honest with you. I think it's going to be very minimal. Um, there's not a lot of momentum from either of the programs. Not really an intriguing game when you look at the schedule. It's going to be an old school game, low scoring. Um, Vandy, I feel like always plays South Carolina well, but South Carolina, uh, especially of recent history, has had Vandy's number. I mean, Vandy's beaten teams like Florida, Georgia, multiple times since the last time they beat South Carolina. They've definitely had their number, but that all changes this weekend in Columbia, South Carolina. 21 20. Vanderbilt finds a way. They had a few SEC wins late in the year last year against Florida and Kentucky on the road, and they find a way to do it here. And then the, the talk really heats up about Shane Beamer, about what's going on. How could they drop so far off after what they did last year? Um, but, yeah, going to be an old-school old school game. Low scoring, um, maybe not a ton of yards, but I got Vandy winning the game by one point. Okay, I'm going to give you where I think you could be right and where you could be wrong on these, okay? Where you could be right. Vanderbilt, in this scenario last year, it had lost several games in a row. It had gotten demoralized. It had gotten beaten down pretty badly. And then Vandy goes and beats Chris, Kentucky you're and about, you're talking about me and my team. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. <laughs> the self-awareness was a little lacking there. That's all right. That's uh, all right. Kevin was playing for the Commodores this time a year ago. Uh, but, yes, it was it was a hard season for you guys yeah. until that point. And then you guys found a little something late. You went with it, and you beat not one, but I, I thought more impressively w- was beating Florida the week after you beat Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that because was a- that, that, that kind of said, all right, these guys can play if you don't show up. Mm-hmm. Look, Absolutely. Vanderbilt at this point has lost eight straight, um, you know, season goals gone by. But South Carolina was a team that, hey, these guys thought they were going to be finishing second or third in the East. That's right. Uh, they beat That's Clemson, right. beat Tennessee. Um, I, I think this game could mean a little bit more to Vanderbilt tomorrow because South Carolina's uh, goals and expectations are, are a lot gone at this point. Yeah. And, and and South Carolina has one more win than Vanderbilt right now, but you can argue that their season's been even more of a disappointment than, than Vandy's, to be honest with you, in terms of expectations of, of where they were supposed to be. And so, you know, we felt that last year when we rolled into Lexington. You could feel it in warm-ups. There's just not a lot of juice on their side. It's also an 11 o'clock kick. And like I said, I don't think Williams-Brice is going to be, you know, platinum and what it usually is. And I've played there at night twice and it's one of my favorite places to play in this conference. But an 11 a.m. kick against Vanderbilt after last week's home performance that was not great. Um, you know, I, I think that edge wears off a little bit against the doors. And so, like, I'm gonna be Xavier Leggett is is an, is an unbelievable talent. Um, as much as South Carolina can, I'm getting him the ball, uh, especially against Vandy's secondary. But you know, some interesting things could happen, and it may not be 
the best game of the weekend to watch or the prettiest game, but but it could be um it could could be one that comes down to the wire. I want to ask you, I don't think you're gonna be in the stadium for that one tomorrow, but but if you were and you just watch the teams go through warm-ups, what's the chance that you could predict the winner just based on watching that? Uh you know, maybe it's hard because people I mean, people know because they're in the stands especially now with all the TV stuff, dude, you are out. It's like a four hour game. I mean, you are yeah. out there forever. And like real talk, when I was a freshman and a sophomore and I wasn't seeing the field yet and I was still developing, I'd be sore after the game from standing for four hours. Like that, like it is a long time. <laughs> and so long story short, there's some time to make adjustments. There's some times to turn it around, but absolutely. So like last year we come out against Kentucky and Kentucky didn't even walk out for warmups. It was below freezing. Mm. It was sleeting. It was snowing. And they just thought, hey, you know what? We'll stay inside and we'll stretch in here or whatever they did. I'm not really sure. But long story short, they didn't come out for warm-ups until like 20 minutes before kick and kind of did their team stuff, and then they were ready to go. But all the pregame stuff, you know, the weight staff out there, the routes on air without any pads on, there was none of that stuff for Kentucky last year. And so we sensed that, and, and we hopped on them early. Um, you know, and, and it was a dogfight to the end, but we found a way to score late and win that one. So you can tell a team's energy for sure on the other side of the 50 when they're warming up. But to say you can predict a win and loss, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can happen, a lot of time between now and then. All right. Also at 11, this one on ESPN, speaking of Kentucky, it will host the Alabama Crimson Tide. And your bold prediction here, Bama hangover leads to a closer first half than some expected. Milrow explodes in the second, has 200-plus rushing yards. My goodness. 200-plus. Uh, he had, what, a buck 57 a week ago? I'm not saying he's going to have all 200 in the second half. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that okay. the way, first off, an unbelievable win last week of huge momentum. I I've, I had people, friends in the stands. I have buddies who played for both Alabama and LSU, and they said it's it's the most fiery they've seen Bryant Denny in a long, long time. Mm. And that's that's saying something. And, and you know what? It, it probably attests to – and this is happening at Georgia a little bit too, y'all. You know, I, I've had people say at Georgia, like I said, Georgia hasn't lost in five years maybe people are getting a little complacent and there was talks of, of Georgia getting booed last week because they were in a tight Goodness. game with Missouri and weren't pulling away. And, and so that happens. And so now, you know, you look at Alabama, they suffered that home loss and now they're resurging back. And that fan base is, is now acting like they're almost like a little bit of an underdog, to be honest with you. And that's crazy that I'm even talking about this, but the energy in Brian Denny last week, how that resurged the Alabama program it's easy to have a hangover, especially at 11 a.m. on the road at a team that you're really, really supposed to win. I think they have a little bit of a – I'm not saying they're going to trail or be down by 10 or anything like that or really be on upset alert, but definitely a closer game than we expect in the first half. But Jalen Milrow, you know, has turned – what he was at the beginning of the season was an inex inexperienced, probably a little bit underdeveloped quarterback who didn't have a lot of experience and snaps under his belt. Okay, he he's a playmaker and a game-breaker now that he with his legs. And, and you know, off, I, we talked about – Tommy Reese trying to shorten the menu for him. They haven't really shortened it. They've just changed it with a bunch of quarterback run stuff. Um, the way that he's been able to see defenses. I remember his touchdown last week where he scrambled and was able to the corner kind of running towards and then putting his foot in the ground and accelerating towards the end zone. Milrow's a game breaker. And what a, more than anyone in this conference has developed into an unbelievable playmaker. 200-plus rushing yards in the stat sheet in that box score after the game. And Alabama gets it done in Lexington. Yeah, um, and remember the three weeks before he had rushed for for negative yardage, but it did feel like they maybe found something. I was trying to look up Kentucky and and see how it had done against mobile quarterbacks. I guess it's played a couple. Well, um, Brady Cook's got some mobility. Uh, Joe Milton has mobility for sure. 
Mike Wright has a lot of mobility, and I think they they went to their third string freshman in, in that one last yeah. week against uh, the Cats. So, yeah, I don't I don't know that any of those guys have had field days, but I don't know that any of those guys are. They're not Jaylen Milrow. I mean, Mike Mike Wright is, but with Milrow, there's a little bit more threat of a pass to offset that. And and on, what what makes it so dangerous is, look, I'm not saying, and he can, he can, but Milrow's strength as a passer is not threading the needle through the middle of zone defenses. Yeah, yeah. It's going over the top. He throws the best deep ball in this conference. And so when you have to play 30 yards deep and respect the post, respect the goes, and he can scramble for 15, 20 in chunks and is really, really good at it, that stuff adds up. That stuff adds up, and it's a nightmare for de- defensive coordinators. Again, bold prediction for a reason. Probably not going to happen, but definitely very, very possible. 200-plus rushing yards. That's definitely his forte. Okay, let's move on to Tennessee and Missouri. That's the 230 CBS game. Your bold prediction. Tennessee offense finally looks similar to last year after the big week versus Connecticut. Vols put up 50-plus setting up a huge game in Neyland next week. Now, look, I picked Missouri to win. I think it's almost a toss-up. I went with it Missouri is. at home. But, I mean, you, you say bold predictions. I, this one, it, it's a little bold, but if you look back on history, it's not as bold because, my goodness, Tennessee has put up some points on Missouri the last two years. They've torched them. They've absolutely torched them. And it, I don't want to call this what, it is, what I'm going to say because I don't mean no disrespect to, to UConn. But Tennessee, finally, we've talked about how they've been inconsistent and just haven't looked the same as last year. And, look, that's not just because Hendon Hooker's gone. It's because he's gone. It's because their top 10 tackle is gone. It's because the best receiver in the country, Jalen Hyatt, is gone. Their offensive coordinator is gone. It's a whole new offense. But it's still at the top, you know, Josh Heupel's, you know, scheme and whatnot. And they finally get that under their belt against basically a bye week and what it was, almost a scrimmage game against UConn last week. Um, look, they got a lot of help from their defense, scoring some points last week with two touchdowns. Um, but finally, Tennessee looks at least a little bit like the DNA that it did last week um, or last year, excuse me. And so Vols are going to put up some points here. Vols are going to put up some points here, and it's all about if Missouri can keep up. I'm, I, I know there were some questions about the health of Luther Burden earlier in the week. I, I don't have the update on that, Chris. Maybe you do. But that's going to be a huge storyline because I, I truly believe that the storyline of this game is that Missouri is going to have to keep up. And if they can, which they've proven, you know, through there's been spurts and, and flashes of it this year, this is going to be a track meet. But if not, I think Tennessee is really going to score a bunch of points in this game and take it. Yeah, I need to look that up. Tennessee got 66 last year and 62 the year before. Now, I think this Missouri defense definitely under Blake Baker better than the one two years ago when he wasn't there. They were a disaster. He made them better last year. Tennessee still scored a, a bunch of points. And look, two differences. They were in Knoxville, A, right, and and B, Hindenhooker to, to Joe Milton has been a pretty significant drop-off. Yes. Milton's not been bad by any stretch, but it, it just – Hindenhooker, in my mind, if you could have stopped the season, you know, before the South Carolina game where he gets hurt, I I, yeah. I could have pretty easily justified him winning the Heisman. That's how I good agree. he was. I so, agree. I don't know. There, there's some mixed signals on this game to me. I think there's some mixed signals, which makes it so intriguing, right? Because if we all knew the script and what was going to happen, um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as interesting or as intriguing, man. This is another game. We've I feel like every week we talk about, man, what a momentum changer this could be for Missouri, right? What, how this could catapult them forward. You know, last week they they found a way to to drop that game in Athens, but I came in on here on Monday and said, look, no moral victories, but Missouri, the future of Missouri football 
is big time. They were they matched Georgia's physicality. They really took them down on the wire. It took a defensive lineman to pick them off to really seal the, seal the game there in the fourth quarter. And so they've been able to prove they can play with anybody in this conference. It's just now time to beat them. They played with LSU. They played with Georgia, found ways to lose both those games. And now they got to find a way to Tennessee, who's really, really had their number the past two years. All right, next up is going to be Auburn and Arkansas. Before we go there, a reminder, our channel is presented uh, by a number of people, one of which is MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you are sick of working for someone else and looking for a better life that you can live on your terms, the guy who can help you understand the risks and rewards of that, my friend Andy Ludicky at MyPerfectFranchise.net. He will help you find the perfect franchise based on your goals, your dreams, your skills, and your financial requirements. In other words, your personalized American dream. He will educate you on the process, work with you every step of the way. There is no obligation. His services are free. That includes the free questionnaire, which you fill out to get started. Andy spends his time very diligently getting to know you and what you want from life. And he matches that with the company that helps you meet those aspirations. And he's not doing it in a way to just put you with one that gets him paid more over here than he does over there. He is really looking out for you. Call him 404-973-9901. Talk to Andy, tell him you heard about him on our show and get along with the better life. Auburn at Arkansas, that game Three central on the SEC network. Both teams get wins a week ago on the road. Auburn at Vandy, Arkansas at Florida. Uh, your bold prediction for this one. Finally, some momentum for Arkansas. Rocket Sanders and KJ Jefferson have huge days as Arkansas wins by 10 plus. Now, the 10 plus is bold. I don't think Arkansas is winning, but look, I just, if, if I knew right now, was that a one off fluke? Just right. courtesy of shedding Danny this from the staff and replacing yeah. him, or is it, is it something else? And I think you've taken your stand with this one. I, I have taken my stand with this one, and I've I've said this so many times, dating back to Chris when I was first on here for you know the single digit number of times in the preseason. College football mm-hmm. is all about momentum. It's all about momentum, and it's when you play people in the season. Arkansas was as desperate as anyone in this country. Not only did they go and win in, in Florida, but they win in exciting fashion, rejuvenating the locker room. That's a huge deal. And not only that, but the two guys that won that, that game are the two guys that they thought were going to win them mm-hmm. a bunch of games this year. And that's KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders. I'll, I'm watching this game, Chris, against Florida last week. And the first, they need a touchdown to win and a field goal to tie because Florida just kicked a field goal to start overtime. The first play for Arkansas of overtime, they get backed up 10 yards, first and 20. First and 20, that's not how you want to start. So you're already basically out of field goal range, so you got to gain some. And then the first snap, K.J. Jefferson scrambles and runs somebody over for a first down on first and 20. Next play, handoff to Rocket Sanders, bounces off a couple of tackles down to the five. Next play, touchdown. Those guys are who Arkansas has wanted to lean on all year. They finally get momentum as a team. The players show up, and I think those guys really, really continue their momentum. And it's all about momentum in college football and confidence. Those two guys got it. That team has it. And Arkansas finally starts building those things that we talked about. We looked back and said about this Arkansas and Florida game, Chris, man, if they can win this one, you know, who knows? Maybe where they'll end up. Okay, well, here we are. And I do believe that Arkansas will continue to get that ball rolling. Yeah, that, that'll be interesting uh, because it, Arkansas, I mean, 
hey, we've all waited for this team to play to to the level that we expected. And again, injuries and, and Damian's had a lot to do with that. But we saw a glimpse last week uh, of a team that was bought in, and I'm interested to see how that one goes. Okay, next in order of kickoff, we've got the most anticipated game of the week as Ole Miss visits Georgia's roughly a 10-point underdog. Yep. Your bold prediction for that one. Um, let me find it here. I can say okay. it too. Oh, I, I got it. Lane Kiffin and crew start fast, build an early lead. Georgia depth shows in the end as the dogs escape by a late touchdown, a Carson Beck legacy win. So here's here's the thing with Carson Beck, and I'm going to work backwards on this. First off, Lane Kiffin is is probably, and I would say Lincoln Riley, but man, is that falling off the tracks? Mm. is so creative and so innovative within his offense. It, it, it blows me away. It, it really does. And what I've seen him be able to do, and especially with now how I know how close you know him and, and Kirby are, he's going to have stuff that he wants to put on him early. And I'm not saying it's going to be trick plays and flea flickers and this and that, but Kiffin is smart enough with his X's and O's that he's going to have one or two stuff that he knows is going to hit early. And look, Georgia's staff is good enough between Kirby and even Muschamp on there now. There's enough defensive minds and firepower over there. They're going to adjust. But I think Kiffin and Ole Miss start out strong. I'm not saying they're going to get up by 14 or any of that stuff, but maybe a 7-3, seven, 10-3 seven, three, lead. I really think that's possible, especially you know with the way they played. They started that way against, against A&M last week, but but basically lost, lost the fight in the middle of that game and then found a way to win it there at the end. The reason I start with this with this Carson Beck thing is because we started at the beginning of the season, and just like Jalen Milrow was an inexperienced, not necessarily young, but inexperienced, didn't have a lot of snaps under his belt, and looked a little fragile. He grew up a ton, a ton in that game in Jordan-Hare against Auburn when their backs were against the wall 10 nothing. They came back and found a way to win it. Now, look, he had that guy, Brock Bowers. I, I heard somewhere that he's back running. Is that is that right? Did I hear that? I think he's getting close, yeah. And And look, but at the same time, Beck hasn't really – I wouldn't. maybe he's dropped off a bit, but he's thrown for 600 yards and four yeah, touchdowns with no pick without Bowers. And so he's found ways to still be productive through Lavette and other guys as well um, without him. And so, you know, you're going to have you, – you haven't lost a game since before COVID. You've won 26 games in a row as a program, back-to-back national champions, and your back's against the wall down at home. Carson Beck's going to lead him out of it. And, and look, Stetson Bennett, back-to-back MVP of the national championship game – ginormous maybe impossible shoes to fill but i think this is the game where he really really starts to step into those shoes and creates a legacy for himself you know it's interesting i was was at the gym yesterday and watching whatever was on fox and they did the ticker for the heisman odds and i wasn't locked in but i think beck was seventh or eighth at this point and it occurs to me as we're doing this okay Mm -hmm. um his his big games are to come I mean, they've had some nice yeah. wins, Auburn, Florida, mm-hmm. Kentucky, but I mean, they've got they got Ole Miss and that Tennessee coming up. Um, yeah, th- these these are times where if, if Michael Penix or somebody slips, um, and, and Georgia wins big, and he's got a lot to do with that, which certainly he would. I, I'm interested to see what the next two weeks does to his name in the Heisman conversation. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And look, do I if I were a betting man, do I think Carson Beck's going to win the Heisman? No, I don't. But we've seen so many times in the past, you know, in order to win the Heisman and, and really win over those voters, those Heisman moments, right? The moments mm-hmm. where you lead your team, 
this is I believe that this is going to be an opportunity. I really do. I think Georgia's backs are going to be in against the wall. They've shown already a lot of times this year that they're not exactly the same consistent team, especially at the very beginning of games. Ole Miss can jump on you fast with their offense. And I think Carson Beck leads them out of it. And, man, he starts to step into those shoes that are so big, maybe impossible to fill with Stetson Bennett, and really starts to create a legacy for himself. Because that guy right now is uber confident, absolutely slices and dices defenses. And I think that's exactly what he's going to do in the second half. Georgia, it's going to be a tight one. It's going to be a great game in Athens. I'm really excited for this one. But Carson Beck is going to be the story here. Yeah, you, you made a great point there. It's it's all about winning those games in front of everybody. There's yeah. two huge games this weekend. This mm -hmm. one in Penn State and Michigan, which also has a quarterback in McCarthy who's in the hunt. So, yes, this is a, a phenomenal opportunity. Primetime game, 6 o'clock. Yeah, I'm interested to see if the narrative does change. I mean, narrative. He's he's in the narrative, but I'm yeah. I'm interested to see if that gets if that gets amplified Absolutely. based on what he does. So Absolutely. okay, next next up, the Florida Gators. And, and hey, since we're at Florida, shout out to Chomps, my go-to snack mm. after workout halftime. Whenever nine flavors, something for everybody. Start with a trial pack that has six different flavors, all three proteins, nine to ten grams of protein, and sixty to one hundred calories per stick. Whole 30 keto certified paleo, gluten free, free of the top nine allergens, no hidden harmful ingredients. Ingredients, excuse me. Give Chomps a try today. Promo code at the bottom. Uh, it, it's a better snack than I am a narrator at the moment. So in <laughs> any case, give it a try, and uh, and I think you'll like it. All right, next up we have the Gators traveling to LSU in in a very interesting game. Both teams had big big letdowns last week, and um. You know, LSU's got it, – its its dreams are gone. Not going to make the playoff. Yep. I guess Florida's dream at this point is is to get to 500, and that's not going to happen without a win at LSU, or might not. Um, yep. In any case, here is, here's what you said, and this is interesting. Florida culture is going to show in this one good or bad. LSU doesn't lose at home, especially at night. Party in Baton Rouge as they win by 14. So first off, let me say this. So Chris, you mentioned earlier about how last year when I was playing at Vandy, uh, we obviously beat Florida at home and I scored a, a, a go ahead touchdown in that game. And speaking of chomps, I did not hit the Florida Gator chomp. And it's one of my biggest regrets as a player. <laughs> and so anytime you do the chomps ad, I feel like I have to do it to make up for lost time. But apologize to our, all our Florida viewers, but it is probably my biggest regret in my playing career. Anyway, um, look, here's the deal with Florida is I feel like so many times this year it was Utah and we're, we're out on Florida and it was Kentucky and we're out on Florida and, or no, it was Utah. And then we're in on Florida cause they beat Tennessee and yeah. they get smoked by, and then we're, and so it's been so much in and out, in and out. And so, especially now, because I think more than, than any loss this year so far, this past weeks to Arkansas to win Arkansas team at home is probably the most demoralizing. And so yeah. long story short with all this in and out on Florida, I'm not sold on Florida. I think the general media is not sold on Florida. I'm not even sure if the players inside the locker room know exactly what their identity and their culture is, but I think we're really going to find out. We're really going to find out this weekend because I, I said a lot of the preseason, it was a red flag for me that, uh, you know, Florida with, with you know, the guys they had last year, look, were they less talented? Maybe so. It was Napier's first year. But that was alarming to me when they played in that bowl game and got beat like by 30 to Oregon State. And I know yeah. Oregon State's a good team, but by 30? 
to Oregon State. Well, they, they also had half the team out, too, if I recall. But my I don't think that it was really my, Florida. My, my point is the bowl okay. game, I truly believe, and 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 team, obviously now with guys opting out and this and that, you find, in my opinion, and I've experienced this with myself, I have buddies who play all across the country at teams. People either really get really excited for bowl games or yeah. players can't wait to for Christmas or New Year's and they don't care at all. And to me, that's yeah. what I saw last year with this Florida team. And so does this same thing happen in Baton Rouge? LSU does not lose a lot at home. It's a t- maybe the toughest place to play in the SEC when the lights are on, right? And if I mean, I'm hearing Jane Daniels is going to play. Uh, he's healthy back. It's just going to be – I just don't understand how you can have any confidence in this Florida team, especially after last week's performance and the roller coaster of a season they've been. But also with that roller yeah. coaster, who knows? They may come out and look like an unbelievable team, right? Like I, I have no, no clue here. That's why I said – I think Florida's culture and what Napier is building is going to show and be exposed, good or bad, way more in this game than any other one. Yeah, and and to be fair about that one, they did have a. I think they had a lot of players out. I think they kicked Brenton Cox off the team by that time, um, and, and I believe Richardson didn't play to get ready for the draft. And, and in that case, yeah. their drop off to the next guy. I don't even remember sure. if it was Jack Miller or who it was was enormous. So that was that was kind of a point with the bullet it wasn't just missing guys it was like you lost a dude at quarterback and the guy that you went to from there was I mean look they, they Florida knew his next quarterback was going to have to be found on the portal right uh, from that's the minute that season was over so it, that was that's I'm not gonna say it's your criticism was harsh but it's interesting yeah yeah, by 30. I, yeah I know they scored a field goal and then again I you know yeah. I, I don't not, know it's not the were, loss because Oregon State's a Tremendous program. Good Obviously, they've taken, they've taken another step forward getting DJU this past offseason. But the Florida Gators losing to Arkansas – or, sorry, the Florida Gators losing to Oregon State, the Beavers, by 30? Come on. Yeah. That, that, that ain't it. That ain't it. Yeah. That ain't it. Well, were you a trash talker? You know what's funny, man, is – and I actually – I was literally talking to a buddy about this yesterday because there's so much talk that happens on a football field. And as fans and even on TV, you can't see it because one, you got the helmet. And then if you're there in the game, you're so far back, right? There is so much talk that happens way more than a basketball game. I mean, you can say one little thing in a basketball game or a gesture, boop, teed up, getting thrown out. The amount of stuff that happens on that football field, y'all, I wish everybody was mic'd up because it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I only talk when I talked back when I was talked to. I never necessarily initiated it. Um, or if I knew I, I, sometimes I started it, if I knew I had a big, a big matchup against a guy I knew who was a trash talker, but <laughs> we can maybe have another show about that. I do have some stories about some guys specifically, but I also don't want to throw any, anyone under the bus. So what's, what's the funniest trash talking story you've got? Do you want, do you want to share it now? Or do you want to hold oh, that? Man. I might, I might have to think on that. There's, there's been a few, um, I just remember for me and, I, and people ask me this all the time, you know, who's the hardest guy you had to block? What's the coolest place you had to play? Uh, I, the hardest guy I ever had to block. And I, I, you know, Will Anderson, all these kind of guys. Yeah. For me, it was N'Kobe Dean at, at Georgia. Huh. I, mean, I, I had a better chance. What, what of were you doing blocking N'Kobe? Well, okay, never mind. You yeah, were, yeah, I, I, that the, makes sense. the second yeah. level tight ends. Come on, yeah. man. We're versatile players, Chris. Come on, man. Right. Come on. Yeah, I had a better chance of running through this brick wall than I did blocking that guy. He was a – his strength was – and he was like 220 and I was 240. But yeah. pound for pound, maybe the best guy. I remember – I remember – uh. Zach Pascal at Kentucky as well. Sam Williams, Ole Miss. Um, those were some 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 really really good players that I had to block. But in terms of trash talking, Nicobe Dean wasn't afraid to let you hear it, and he definitely backed up as well. So Sam Williams would have had a few pounds on you. He he had he had a few pounds on me for sure. Uh, 
Pascal at Kentucky is, a, is another one as well. But yeah, Sam Williams, in terms of, of link, Brenton Cox was another guy too at Florida. Um, too bad he didn't, he didn't last, you know, but that guy was basically made in a lab. So he, he was hard. He was hard to block. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see what we got left. I think we're down to one, aren't we? Yeah. Mississippi state at Texas A&M. Um, Probably a game that neither fan base is super excited about. Although, look, for 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 Mississippi State, that's the one team that does have some goals intact. To get to a bowl would be a yeah. decent season. A&M, I, I don't know how you – I guess if you went out, you go seven and four, it's a decent season. But that's, that's about all they got at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's your comment. Bulldogs are a mess right now. A&M is desperate. Max Johnson has a huge day throwing for 300-plus. Plus Anaya Smith with two touchdowns. Now, if I'm going to critique your prediction, okay, um, please. You said bold predictions. Yep. I think this is more of a probably a predictable game script than a bold. But but to, to be fair, I, I I can't pick much bold with Mississippi State without being ridiculous, especially right. as it pertains to that offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and it. <laughs> I say this, I feel like I say this every show, like a broken record, but I do have some sympathy there because obviously what happened with Mike Leach, I just think that there's a total identity crisis on Starkville because they went from being, like I said, I thought Mississippi State, I thought yards, points, especially through the air, that's non-existent now. And not only that, but their pass defense, I mean, we saw a non-existent Peyton Thorne and an Auburn passing attack, you know, look like the air raid versus Mississippi State in itself a few weeks back. And so... You know, teams have been teeing off, throwing the ball against against Mississippi State. And, you know, Max Johnson, I think, no matter what happens with, with you know, Jimbo next year or, or whatever, you know, he's got stuff to prove as well, being the backup at the start of the year behind Wegman. And I've, I've found, you know, A&M is dangerous and explosive when they get Anaya Smith the ball, whether that's on punt returns, whether that's on, on offense. Um, you know, we saw it in, against the Gamecocks. He made an unbelievable play down the sideline, scoring in the middle of the field. We saw it some against, uh, I believe it was Alabama, too. If I'm Max Johnson, I'm throwing that dude the ball as much as I can, and I think he will. 300-plus for Jackson against a weak secondary in Mississippi State, and Anaya Smith counts for two of those touchdowns. Yeah, big game for Zach Garnett. A lot yep. of hot seat talk around that guy. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, would, wouldn't want to be the loser of this one, especially if your name is Jimbo. Well, I mean, I mean the same thing with Arnett. I mean, there's again, with all the talk that he might be gone, uh, this is one that's just going to make it tougher. Here's a bold prediction. Sorry to interrupt you, Chris. Sure. If AM loses this game, Jimbo Fisher's fired by Monday morning. Ooh, you might might be right. That's my prediction right there. I mean, but I think AM's gonna win. But if if AM loses, I think Jimbo's is uh you know in, in Thailand or wherever Cliff Kingsbury went by Tuesday morning. So you know, the, the timing on that wouldn't be wouldn't be bad. Uh, because you got Abilene Christian next week, and then you got a game at LSU. It gives you a chance. Yep. I would I would presume Bobby Petrino would be the interim there if they were to make a move. And that would be a story when it's in itself, right? Oh my goodness, I'm I'm here for that. That would be a story within itself. But we'll see what happens. And look, I don't want to. I don't even want to start ta- thinking about who's next until it happens. I think that's a little bit disrespectful, to be honest with you. But there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there right now that, in my opinion, would be a pretty good fit in College Station. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow with some more previews of the weekend. Emphasis will probably be on Georgia and Ole Miss since that's the biggest one. We really haven't broken that one down in depth this week other than our preview videos, which you can find on our channel. We do those every week. Uh, so we'll hit it maybe from a different angle tomorrow. 
anyway, uh, we'll, we'll do that. We'll break down some other games. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thank you for watching Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.